0: This November, Wisconsin Policy Forum released a report on Wisconsin's usage of lead service lines to deliver drinking water to its residents. Ingesting lead is harmful to human health and can inhibit brain development and lead to diminished intellectual capacity. Despite the Environmental Protection Agency banning the use of lead pipes as water mains in 1986, at least 92 communities in Wisconsin still rely on these lead service lines. With me on the line is Tyler Burns, researcher for the Wisconsin Policy Forum and author of the report. So I want to start by asking, what cities in Wisconsin have the most lead service lines still in use, and why haven't these pipes been replaced?
1: In terms of the total number of lead service lines, Milwaukee is by far the most. They have almost 70,000. And then Racine, Kenosha, Wawatosa, Oshkosh are kind of all in the neighborhood of five to 10,000. And so where you see these is places that have older central cities where the number of lead lines, they were built when they're still using these as a common way of connecting water mains to houses and businesses. And interestingly, Milwaukee, Racine, they have a lot of them. But if you look at by percentage of the total lines, we see some other communities, some smaller communities. And this is the number of water service lines that are made of lead as a percentage of the total number of water service lines. And so that's where you see communities like Shorewood, Whitefish Bay, Schofield, um, Walworth, Wausau, Two Rivers. So some of these smaller communities, but again, that have older downtown areas, older residential areas, that's where you're seeing a higher percentage of that. We thought that was kind of an interesting thing to highlight is that, yes, there's a large number of them in places like Milwaukee, Kenosha, Racine. But this is a statewide problem. Anywhere that there's a downtown that was built in the you know 20s to 30s, that sort of place, residential areas that were built back then, you're going to see a few lead service lines.
0: And why haven't these pipes been replaced? Is it because of the age of these communities?
1: There's a number of reasons. I mean, first and foremost, the water that comes through the taps generally meets uh, EPA requirements. And so the communities have been able to manage the lead that actually comes from these pipes and gets into tap water through different approaches. Some have you know, used additives that slow the process of corroding the lines and getting the lead into the water. And so they've managed it over time. Second, the cost. These are, you know, it's a big infrastructure project. If you replace these, you're tearing up people's front yards, you're also likely tearing up streets, maybe other sewers pipes, you know, damaging existing water infrastructure. And so the cost of a project can get pretty high pretty fast when you're doing this sort of thing with infrastructure. And then finally, the ownership of these pipes is sometimes kind of funny. So there's one connection that goes from the water main, which is how the water sort of gets distributed around the city to the house. But that pipe that connects those two things is often split in ownership between the water utility and the customer. And so that made it difficult, especially in the past, to say, you know, not only are we, the water utility, going to undertake a costly project, but then we're also going to give a big bill associated with this project to the customer because they're technically the owner of half of this pipe that we're going to replace.
0: The report mentioned that coating the inside of lead pipes with phosphates can slow the process of lead leaking into drinking water. Is treating mm-hmm. these service lines with phosphates seen as the first option before replacing them altogether, and why isn't treatment a sustainable long-term solution?
1: That's the first option. It's not necessarily a sustainable long-term solution for a couple of reasons. Number one, it is only temporary. It does allow some of the lead to end up getting into the water. It doesn't completely solve the problem. It really slows the problem down. Second, putting these phosphates into the water, that causes then water quality issues once the water has to go through the sewage treatment plant and back into the surface water. Uh, Phosphorus is is a major surface water pollutant. And so essentially you have to pay to put the phosphate in and then you have to pay to pull it back out. And then finally, you know, I, I think Flint, Michigan really highlighted this point, which is changes to water chemistry or disturbances of the lead pipes through other construction work can cause the coating to flake off, can cause it to dissolve. And so you can have massive issues in, in some cases if there's, if there's these changes. And, and while those big issues are unlikely, there's still a, a risk. And so that's why over the long term, the permanent solution is to remove these things from the
0: system. I understand that Madison finished replacing all of their lead service lines in 2012. I was wondering what the replacement process looked like for Madison and if the process would be similar for a larger city like Milwaukee.
1: Madison was kind of a special case. They were one of the early leaders in this. They they went around and proactively replaced the service lines. But the big difference between Madison and Milwaukee is simply the scale. So Madison had about 8,000 lines that were replaced as part of this big push to replace all the lines. They did, you know, the bulk of that in the early 2000s. Milwaukee has nearly 70,000. And so, you know, since 2018, Milwaukee has replaced 6,000 of them, uh, a little more than 6,000 of them. You know, that's most of the way finished for the, the Madison project, and that's really just a, a start to what Milwaukee has to deal with. And so, you know, the process in Madison was kind of a trailblazer. They used some special funding sources, including renting space on water towers to cell phone towers to defray some of the costs associated with replacing the customer's lines. But again, it's, it's just such a different scale that it's hard to really sort of use one as the model for the other.
0: How long must someone be exposed to lead before seeing it affect their health? And is 20 years a quick enough schedule or a doable schedule for Milwaukee?
1: So on the first point, I would defer, I don't know, toxicity of lead. I know that there's no safe blood lead level, especially for children. But beyond that, that's outside my area of expertise. I will say, again, because these things are managed and because of the cost and because it's a a very large infrastructure project, I think 20 years is a reasonable timeline, especially given, you know, there are other priorities, even within lead. I I know lead pipes are a big pathway, but lead paint is also a big pathway into children's bloodstreams. And so you kind of got to weigh doing them both as a reasonable thing since you have limited resources, picking your battles. And I think, you know, a 20-year time horizon is reasonable. I think if they get replaced faster, that would be great as well. But a challenge of this size, I think it's, it's reasonable to make a plan like that.
0: Well, those were all of the questions I had. Is there anything else you would like to add? Any highlights from your report to anything you found particularly interesting? I guess the one
1: interesting thing is that there's pretty good data on how many lead lines are out there. Some cities have a very precise estimate based on the records that they have or actually going out and checking the customer side of the lines and seeing what the materials are. But there's also a lot of places where there either isn't any data or they have very limited data on what the problem is that's out there. So EPA is pushing for a report across the country for local governments to report a, a precise estimate of how many lead lines are out there in these communities, just to make sure that we have a detailed sense of how many lines are out there, what the scope of the problem is. So within the next year or so, we should have an even better picture of how many lead lines are out there and what needs to be replaced in the future. The other highlight is this had been a problem that was kind of lurking out there, and there wasn't really much done to address it. And starting in 2016-2017, at the state, local, federal level, it got a lot of attention. And after getting a lot of attention, you know, there's investment in it, there's changes in policy, and so we really see a rapid increase in the pace that these things are being replaced uh, over the last five years. You know, that's again a positive development um, where we identified a problem uh, and took action to to address it.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Tyler.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the interest. If there's anything else to see that you want to talk about, uh, just let us know.
0: Absolutely, will do. That was Tyler Burns on the line with me, researcher for the Wisconsin Policy Forum and author of a report on Wisconsin's usage of lead service lines.